Hi there, I'm Lucia Bodeman. And I'm Nacha Vieira. Welcome to our podcast from both ends, where we discuss life issues and share interesting stories. Hey everyone, welcome back to From Both Ends. We are always very grateful to you for listening to us and hope you're enjoying our work. Again, please feel free to share your thoughts with us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. It will always be great to hear from you. So let's get going. Okay, today's topic is one that is very dear to my heart, which is dogs. And I am sure that my friends here agree. Right, Nadja and Mari? Hello, ladies. Hello. Yes, certainly one of my favorite topics by far. (laughs) Absolutely. It's the story of my life. (laughs) All right, so let's get to our first point, okay? The question that I want to throw out to you is, how do you explain this bond between humans and their dogs? Well, that is a difficult one, you know, because I keep on thinking, when did that start, right? And we go back to listening to some people saying that it was ever since cavemen, the wolf interaction with human beings. So if that is true... If what um, maybe some scientists have some proof of that, I don't know. If that is true, it goes way back a long time ago. But the other thing is, I think it is a different interaction than any other animal. You know, it's very different from a fish, for example. Can you interact with a fish? Sort of, maybe <laughs> for food, you know. Yeah, but, some people believe that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's a different type of interaction. With a horse, yeah, it's a different type of interaction. Cat, I've never had a cat in my life, but I've talked to some people about cats. And what they say is that it is also a different interaction than dogs. So it seems like dogs are a lot more eager to please Mm -hmm. than a cat, a lot more protective of the family than a cat, also easier to train. That's true. I I, I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Cats are are a, a more primitive form of a pet. So that's why they don't bond as much as dogs, because they're more territorial. They're more worried about their survival so they need a steady home dogs on the other hand they're just like infinite amount of love that pours out of them yeah they just want to love no matter what if you're not in a good mood they don't care they'll lick you they'll jump on you and they'll just love you and love you endlessly endlessly so that's why it's so rewarding because because of this interaction You know, you see dogs actually working with humans. You see police dogs, you see the, you know, the sheep dogs, they're there working on a farm. You see now dogs that they are therapy dogs. I haven't yet seen a police cat or a cat running to, you know, herd the sheep and help the farmer. But I would like to have a cat someday just for the experience of it. I think they're beautiful animals. They definitely are. I haven't had a pet cat yet. I have maybe wanted to because I've seen a few stray cats around, you know, I live in a house. And so sometimes they're around on the streets. I'm always tempted because I have a very uh, weak spot for any animal that's out in the street. But I've never really had uh, a cat. But I just see dogs as having a partnership. 
And not to say that cats are better than dogs or dogs are better than cats, you know, because there are mm -hmm. a lot of cat lovers out there, you know, and dog yeah. lovers out there. They're just different animals, you know, and yeah. uh, the comparison yeah. is between the different animals. Yeah. And we will be talking more about pets in general in a, in a future episode. So mm -hmm. um, they will be given their uh, their due attention. Yeah. So did you ever have problems with your neighbors concerning your pets? I have. We move a lot because of my husband's job. So we lived in different cities and different kinds of cities. But I'm currently living in a city which is in the countryside. I live in a, in a sort of a condominium with lots of houses. There are over 300 houses here. So it's very quiet and peaceful. There's plenty of space for children to play and to for dogs to take their walk. So we thought it, we were in heaven until some people started saying that they were scared of our dogs. We have four golden retrievers and we have a, a stray dog that was rescued from a shelter. And because they're big, I mean, I would say 90, 90% of the population, the world population know that golden retrievers are very sweet dogs. They are incapable of any violent act. And just because they're big and they have teeth, my neighbors make loads of complaints to the administration saying that they should wear a, a, a muzzle uh, when they walk inside the condominium. It's been uh, long fights and battles and, and meetings. We've been uh, threatened, humiliated. We came to a point where we were going to be fined, expensive fines each month mm -hmm. for not obeying to this regulation topic. Mm -hmm. So we did what every other Brazilian does when they come to the law. We found a breach. We've had some complaints, but then the administration cannot accept those complaints anymore because of the, the breach that we found in the regulations of the condominium. Mm -hmm. It's like walking on eggshells with the neighbors. When you go out with your dog, excuse me, when you go out with your dogs, are they on a leash or are they just let loose? They are on a leash. Uh -huh. They're on a leash. And because I have fibromyalgia, uh -huh. most of the days I cannot w walk them all. I see. It's very demanding on my body. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a, a walker? dog walker yeah. who comes here. He comes twice a day and he he's also a dog trainer. Not only they're they're on a leash, mm -hmm. but they're with a dog trainer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the children come running towards them to play with them and take pictures. But the parents, they feel like killing us. My dogs feel the hate. When they go for a walk, they come back. They, they're not happy as they used to when they came back from a walk around the block. They feel the hate. They feel that they are unwanted. And we've been facing some anxiety. On the dogs. Yeah, on the dog. Do you, do you want to move, Mari, from there? I would love to. Mm -hmm. But this is where my, my husband's job is. Um, can't you move to another part of the city, another condo or something? All condos have this uh, regulation that big dogs should wear a, a muzzle okay. to, to when they're out walking inside the condo. Yeah. And what about you girls? How about wanting a pet? Have you ever been to, through that experience of wanting a pet but living with someone who doesn't like them? 
Yeah, yes, I have. I'll answer that right away. Um, I'm living with someone whom I love dearly, but who hates pets. And pet, she wasn't raised to like pets. Um, she's an, uh, an elderly woman. She's my mom. And uh, while my dad was alive, we had a dog. He would take care of it. And this is where I began to have this immeasurable love for these little creatures. We did try to have one after my dad passed away, which is when my daughter um, brought our Doxy. And he's, he's the love of my life right now. <laughs> but he's away, right? Because he, he isn't mine. And so she took him to, she went to live in another state and carried him with her. And that broke my heart. And, you know, it's still mending. But I still see dog profiles and dog everything on Instagram. <laughs> and I'm planning to move out soon where I will finally have my own little guy. It'll probably be a guy. My dog, every single day, just like I do with my husband and my son, I tell him, my dog, I love you. Every time I say, he wags his tail. Every time. Well, they recognize the, the feeling that comes with the word. Maybe they capture the energy to you know, something, but Absolutely. they know, they know there's something there. There's definitely something there for sure. All right. So ladies, let me ask you another one. Many people want to have a pet, but sadly, a high number of animals turn out being abandoned by their owners. So why does that happen? And how could that be avoided? I would like to start with that one. I think... There are several causes, you know, for animals to be abandoned. And some causes, it's not that they are okay, but I think they are inevitable, but some are really not. Now, one of those causes that it's uh, people cannot really avoid is the death of the owner, right? This person dies. The family doesn't want to keep the dog. Now, you have also the owner aging disabilities. Some kind of illness really kicks in, you know, and this person start being disabled. There is a woman here, and I really think she's so brave. She can't walk. She has those electric chairs, but she walks her little dog. The dog goes on the leash, and she's there in the electric chair walking the dog around the neighborhood. She did not abandon her dog. But not everybody does that, and not everybody can do yeah. that, depending on the illness, right? The other thing is moving. When a person moves also to an elderly yeah. home, they cannot take care of themselves alone anymore. The family puts them in an elderly home. Many times, dogs are not accepted there. And the family, the family refused to take the dog in. Yeah, the family needs to have a good heart to take in the animal. The other thing is when they move to a place, for example, an apartment, that dogs are not allowed. I would try to find somewhere where they accept dogs. For me, that is not really an excuse to abandon a dog. Yeah. But many people do, right? Now, the very not okay reason to abandon a dog, in my opinion, is, for example, when the color of the dog changes from a puppy to adulthood. And believe me, they abandon dogs for that. You know, <laughs> the yeah. size of the dog changes from puppyhood to adulthood because they got this certain breed and they thought, or, or mixed breed even, and they thought it would be mini or toy or whatever. And the dog grew a little bit more. 
you know, and suddenly it's not the 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 purse size Aww. that they wanted it to be. Yes. Another another reason that it's not okay is for temperament when the, they think the dog is too agitated. You know, the puppy is chewing the slippers, you know, and ruining the furniture and so mm-hmm. on, so on and so forth. I can understand the hassle, but I do not agree with a reason to give that puppy away. Absolutely. Because there is a solution for that, which is training. If they educated themselves a little more before they got the dog, they would be aware of all these situation and they could prepare beforehand exactly yeah another reason that i also think it is not a good reason to give your dog away is too expensive now there are the vet bills there's the medicine there's the food Mm -hmm. and dogs are expensive okay dogs are expensive now sometimes the person gets a dog and cannot really keep up with Mm -hmm. that finances you know the next point would be they do not have time for the dog because the dog needs attention they need to walk every day in every kind of weather condition Mm -hmm. right i mean when you have to go you have to go Mm -hmm. right to the toilet and if they're trained to go outside they have to go unless you train your dog to pee or in poo inside but there is the attention they they need your attention they're not an object you know So right now at the pandemic, what worries me is that a lot of people are getting dogs because they are at home. Mm -hmm. Okay. But what when this pandemic finishes, you know, we are through with it and people are going back to work. Mm -hmm. What about the dog? Mm -hmm. Are are we going to have a boom of uh, numbers of dogs in shelters because suddenly people won't have time anymore for them? Now, to avoid all of that, you need to educate yourself on the subject. And that means research. That is how we can get to have a lot less dogs being abandoned if people just know what they are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's where I'm at. When, when, we, decided, yeah, when we decided to get our, our first puppy, we bought books. We would follow uh, dog trainers online, on YouTube. But you were talking about the pandemics and what's going to happen once people go back to work. There's been a lot of reinvention in companies, and it feels like most of them will keep the home office style because it's cheaper, much cheaper for the company. So hopefully they'll stay at home, work from home, and they'll be able to keep the dogs. And, you know, I think it is so easy for this generation now to educate themselves because of the internet. Yeah. yeah, it's tremendous responsibility. It is. And it's it's a it's a love uh, relationship. I mean, the, if you love something, you 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 have to take care of it. Exactly. You know, because the other uh, the it's other being, yeah, it's yeah. a commitment because the other being is expecting that of you the same way that you expect that of anyone else. When you're in the living room watching your favorite series or your favorite show and then the dog comes with the shoe <laughs> in, in their mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your favorite pair, your favorite shoe yeah. and it's all chewed up and torn apart. In one of my phases, he learned how to get clothes out of the laundry. And he knew I didn't like that because I complained to him about that. So, and then once we were talking here and I was talking, I think we had guests. And he makes a little sound when he wants to call my attention. He doesn't really bark loud, but he goes like, woof. 
woof, you know, this low woof sound, like say, mom, look at me. He was with my bra dangling from his mouth. Oh <laughs> my God. And he loved it because he looked at me. He called my attention, the tail wagging, like saying, see, I'm being mischievous because he knew I would go after and him. The chase. <laughs> and he yeah. loved the chase afterwards. Love yeah. the chase. <laughs> Love the chase. Yeah. 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 My experience on, on being, you know, pesty little guy with Zen, you know, even if I just go over the corner to buy, you know, to buy something, when I would come back, guess what? There was an entire roll of toilet paper all over the house. It was all torn up. And then I look at him and I say, you know, I just kind of went, it was you, wasn't it? In Portuguese, of course. It was you, wasn't it? And he would have that look on his face and, you know, guilty just written all over it, right? And he had a little bit of toilet paper in his teeth. And I said, bingo. Evidence number one, jurors, look at evidence number one, guilty as yeah. <laughs> There is one point I would like to go back, which is about dogs in shelter. I was reading about this. The peak of dogs going to shelter is usually after Christmas, like three weeks after Christmas, because parents buy the puppies and say to the kids, the dog is yours and you're going to take care of it. And that is the biggest mistake ever because a kid cannot take care of a dog. The dog is your responsibility. You are the adult. You would not give a baby or a toddler to a kid to take care 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year round. So you do not do that to a dog either. It's another being. It's not a toy. Now, what you can do is uh, start educating your kid to how to take care of a dog and get small responsibilities over your supervision. But this is one very huge mistake to say, I'm going Mm -hmm. to get a dog for my kid. I'm going to give a puppy for my daughter's birthday or whatever, you know, and then the dog ends up being your responsibility Mm -hmm. because the kid will lose interest after a few days or a few Mm -hmm. weeks or a few months. And we have Mm -hmm. his or her own agenda, you know, with classes Mm -hmm. and extra Mm -hmm. curriculum stuff. And the dog will be in your hands or whoever hands. And then that dog ends up in a shelter if you're not willing to take care of it. And there are those family travels when they rent those modern homes and everybody travels. They just let the dogs on the side of the road. Literally. That's so sad. That's the meanest thing in the world because there are videos and videos of modern homes driving oh, away yes. and the dogs chasing after the modern home. That's heartbreaking. I, I can't yeah. watch those things. I literally, can, I don't literally watch them either. cannot watch mm-hmm. those things because it, it no, pains I, me I so profoundly. Yeah. What are the pros and cons of buying a puppy and the pros and cons of rescuing a dog from a shelter? Can I go first on this one too? Sure. All right, guys. This is such a controversial um, subject, okay? Because as everything that it seems nowadays, even in that, it is so polarized and people do not see the shades of gray because you can have those that um, swear only for buying a dog and you can have those that swear only for adopting a dog, you know? So you have that famous slogan, 
don't shop to adopt. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Like you, like I feel bad if I buy a dog. Yes, exactly. So the campaign is if you buy from a breeder, you're such a bad yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guilt there. I'm going to start by saying that I have been to several dog shelters and it is extremely sad to see dogs abandoned behind those bars. And I think it is such a noble thing to rescue a dog or an animal. We had a rescue. Our dog Luna was a rescue. But I cannot blind myself to some problems and some benefits on each side, the buying and the adopting, okay? And this is what I would like to discuss. Many people do not see and they do not know about that there is a quite significant percentage of dogs that are adopted and then they are returned to the shelters. Because we all think because of these campaigns that they're going to adopt the dog and everything's going to go wonderfully. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. It could go wonderfully, and it is true that the majority of dogs that are adopted adapt very well to the new family and the new family to the dog. But it is not every single case. There are some bad experiences, too. But I'm just going to give one of those examples sure. because it is from a very close friend of mine here in Holland, and it happened to her. So she wanted a dog. She's married with two children. She went to the shelter. She adopted this dog, and the dog ended up biting her, her husband, and her two kids. Mm -hmm. And she returned the dog. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So the thing is, what was the reason for that dog that bit everybody, including the children, which it is something serious, and we cannot blind ourselves to that? What was the reason for the dog to be abandoned in the first place? Not by her, but from his previous owner. So was he aggressive or was it something else? Would that owner tell the shelter, oh, it's because he bit somebody or would he omit that? When you go to get a dog in a shelter, you do not know what traumas this dog had with his previous owner. We simply do not know. A serious shelter would do some evaluation on the dog for aggressiveness and so on and so forth. But some might just pass through the cracks. My brother had a girlfriend and her dog, she told him, okay, you can play with him, but please do not scratch behind his ears. You know, dogs love when we scratch behind the ears. Yeah. Hers, it would trigger something that he would try to bite. Okay. So do we know all these yeah. things about the dog that you're going to be adopting? Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Did they check for all of those things? What are the trauma? What, what triggers the dog yeah. to be aggressive? Now, having said that, it is fair to say that the majority of shelter dogs adapt very well with the new family. Another thing is some breeds, they have a tendency to be more aggressive than others. And we cannot blind ourselves to this reality. Some breeds, they were just bred, you know, to fight, for example. Uh -huh. The case, for example, is pit bull. Yeah. Now, guys, I know there are a lot of pit bull lovers over there. So don't bite my head just yet. Listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're talking about aggressive dogs, but please do not be aggressive. Yes, yes. exactly. Now, 
pit bulls, they were originated for bull baiting and dog fighting. All right. That is different from a dog, for example, a Shih Tzu that was originally bred for being a companion, a lap dog. Not every pit bull is aggressive. You can have loving, wonderful pit bulls like Cesar Milan has his um, dog, Daddy, that was a sweetheart pit bull. Not all pit bulls are aggressive. Not every lap dog is free from biting someone. Mm -hmm. In fact, no dog is free from biting someone. No dog. Not even naive. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting my dog here, who's oh, yeah. the sweetest thing in the world. Yeah. No dog. Zen bit me a couple of times, but it was totally my fault. Yes, because when we cross a certain limit with mm -hmm. them, that's the only thing they know what to do. Yeah. So no dogs is free from. Now, what we have is the probabilities, and that is what we have to work with. It is a lot more probable that a German Shepherd, a Rottweiler, a Pitbull will bite you know, it being more short-tempered than a Samoyer, the Golden Retriever, a Laza Apso, and so on. The probability is there. When we got naive, uh, we had our rescue, and she was a mixture of a German Shepherd and a Belgian Shepherd, which is about the size Ooh. of a... Yeah, about the size of a German Shepherd. They're both police dogs. Yeah, they're used by the police, yeah, to contain crowds and mobs when they say when they say attack the police attack they go for the neck of the person you know or the arm whatever they were manipulated to be genetically designed for those purposes to be guard dogs to react violently to certain exactly. life yeah what is breeding it is manipulating genetics Yeah. And you manipulate genetics to what you want. Now, this happened from many, many centuries ago up to now. So some people manipulated the genetics for nice, sweet lap dogs companion. Some people manipulated that genetics to be in a dog fight, to be, you know, fighting with the police, to be, you know, guarding the guarding. And when they mean guarding is if you trespass here, I'm going to bite you yeah. or That's, kill yeah. you. And it happens. Between a pit bull and a golden retriever, the probability of a pit bull being more aggressive is higher than a golden retriever. That's all that I'm saying. And we cannot blind ourselves. You know why we cannot blind ourselves? Because now and then we hear stories, you know, and also on the British newspapers, you hear a lot of that. And the news go like this, man mauled to death by a dog. And then when you're going to read or you see the picture of the dog, guess what is the dog breed? You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So on Forbes website, there is an article from 2018. They made a list of dog attack, right, from 2005 to 2017 with the fatalities, okay, killing humans. And here's the list. 17 people were killed by mixed breeds. 20 people were killed by German shepherds. 45 people, right, from 2005 to 2017. Too many 45 people. 45 people were killed by Rottweilers. And 284 people were killed by pit bulls. Now, as I've said, 
there are pit bulls that are sweet. So I believe that the way dogs are raised play a significant part in triggering that aggressiveness or not. Because if you get a breed that has a tendency to be aggressive and it is raised by an owner who is going to mistreat it, neglect it, or stimulate that aggressiveness, guess what? That same breed being raised by a loving, caring, and attentive owner who takes dog training seriously will probably not have any problems at all. You see? So it is kind of a combination of things. Choosing a breed is very important. A breed that fits with your personality, with your lifestyle. Uh, so we talked about adopting. Now here goes shopping. <laughs> Choosing from a responsible breeder is the key, not a puppy meal. For Christ's sake, never a puppy meal, never a backyard breeder, okay? Never that neighbor there that has this cute dog. And then got together with that other neighbor who has that other cute dog and, and they bred. And oh, well, suddenly I have here a couple of puppies that I'm going to sell for one fifth of the price of a responsible breeder. And people who complain mm -hmm. about breeders, I think they do not understand the importance of a responsible breeder. Look, puppy meal, they get a mother, the, the bitch, right? And they make her a puppy popping machine it's it's inhumane so they're going to breed that mother several several times usually a dog has her period every six months so that is two liters a year a puppy meal makes that bitch be pregnant every single time she gets a period and even more than two times a year that can happen too when you see the photos of these uh, dogs, these female dogs, they are rotten. They look like a, a broom, like an old broom yes. you're ready to throw away. It's a zombie of a dog. And when she cannot give puppies anymore, God knows what they do with that dog, sincerely. Now, a responsible breeder, they're going to give longer intervals between a pregnancy. She breeds her dogs to have one or two or three liters the whole lifetime of a dog. And I think four liters is the maximum advised by the kennel club in a bitch lifetime. And then they, they retire the dog and their retired dogs stay with them. They do not give that dog away. You have to know who you are buying from. Talk to the breeder, visit the kennel, ask questions, Absolutely. you know, ask questions. Now, the advantage of buying from a responsible breeder, it is not because of the beauty only, because people say, oh, it's because you just want a pure breed. It's not the beauty only, okay, when you're buying from a kennel. They're not looking only for the standard of the breed, they're looking for health too. All right. What they're doing is they're, like we said, they're manipulating that genetics to breed healthier dogs than, you know, something that you have no idea whether the mother has any condition or the father has any condition and is going to pass on to the other puppy. They are also looking to temperament. Okay. So you breed in and you breed out certain traits in their temperament, right? So it is all about genetics, okay? 
And genetics is about probability too. There is no guarantees either. There's no guarantees that you're going to get a healthy mother, a completely healthy father, and all the litters, all the little um, brothers and sisters in that litter is going to be 100%. It's genetics. It happens to humans, you know, but the probability is there. So it's very expensive to keep a very responsible kennel, guys. Did you know that nowadays responsible kennels do DNA testing on their dogs to reduce the risks of puppies being born with inherited conditions? Did you know that kennels do ultrasound on their pregnant females? Did you know that their dogs undergo several health tests before breeding, like testing for deafness, elbow and hip dysplasia, eye screening for, for cataracts, for example? Did you know that all of these tests cost money? And what if the bitch needs a cesarean? Some breeds, like the Norwich Terrier, can only deliver through cesarean. The kennel owner also deworms and gives the first vaccines to every puppy before they go to their owner. The shows, going to the shows, shows that are given by American Kennel Club, they are very, very important because when you enter the dog in a show, in a dog show, they are examined by a veterinarian. So only dogs that are top health get in there. Then there's the temperament because the judge who the dog has never seen before has to touch that dog. So they open and see the teeth, the ears, they run down on their feet and paws and their tails. Uh, that's a, a, a soft spot. Yes. Touching the tail. Yeah. So here comes this stranger that is going to, you know, <laughs> touch the dog all over. If that dog bites him, he's out of the competition. So that was it. So here goes the temperament. Okay. Do you see the importance of those shows? Now, here goes another important thing is when the breeder is there, he makes contact with other breeders and then they're going to breed that genetic in. They're going to get in contact. They're going to settle for what dog is going to breed with what dog. And they're going to work on that genetic, that health and that temperament. That is the importance of it, guys. You see? Mm -hmm. And by the way, the winner, I believe, of the last Crufts show was a doxy. Yes, is that right? It was. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. It was real beautiful to see. Now, I want to show you something when, since we're talking about responsible breeders. I would like to show you this folder. This is my nice folder, all right, that I got from the kennel. Do you see this? Uh-huh. This is a certificate from his father of his health from the mm -hmm. veterinarian. Mm -hmm. And including here, we have things like hip dysplasia. Okay, clear from hip dysplasia, clear from cataracts, clear mm -hmm. from God knows whatever. There's a whole thing here that vets would yeah, know about it. Yeah. This is his father. Very responsible. Yeah. And here on here, on this one, see here, the, the breeder gave me Sherex of this. It came on a nice folder. And mm -hmm. here, see, they're practically the same. Yeah, there's, mm -hmm. Father and he's the mother. Mm -hmm. He's the mother. Right? 
Very well documented. Copies, yeah. Copies of it, right? Now, here I have, this is Nais pedigree. Here comes the buying contract wow. from the kennel. And in this buying contract, there's a lot of things, including an article there saying that if I do not want Nai anymore, I have to return him to her. I do not give this dog to a shelter, to anyone. I return him to her. Mm-hmm. It's in the contract that I signed, right? Might you response in court if you disobey that? Probably. It's signed. It's a contract. Mm-hmm. Here she gave some advices. Okay, a sheet with some advices and so on. But she already had talked to me. Here is a flyer from a pet health insurance. Oh, that she advised us to get, yeah. Mm-hmm. And his passport, because here in the European Union, I do not know if every country, but in Holland for sure, in a lot of countries, dogs have to have this passport. Every time he goes to the vet, I have to take this passport. And here's oh, where okay. he has his shots, uh-huh. his whatever, whatever it is and everything. It yeah. is all documented in the passport and the passport goes through all European Union. This is all in his folder that I got with him. Is it worth taking your puppy to a training course? I think so, because sometimes it's not so natural or so easy for you to, for example, take the dog for the first walk after they get the vaccines and they're ready to go walking on the street. Sometimes it's not that easy, especially with large breeds. And the the tendency is for them to drag you around. So there are some little hints. Sometimes it's easier for them to learn where to get potty trained. I think it is important to take a puppy to a training course or have a trainer at home, you know, especially if you never had dogs before, you do not have experience with dogs. It just makes life easier with a trained dog than without a trained dog. So much. So easier. Um, Also, it can be a lot of fun at a puppy course because you can meet people with the same interests you can make friends you know here when I went to a puppy course we had meetings for the dogs to play you know so everybody would get together in a park whatever just for the dogs to play how nice is that and it is so important to set limits and set rules from day one okay if you do not want a dog begging on the table never ever 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 ever, not even once, give food from the table to them. And it's interesting, if you train him ever since little to allow to clip the nails, you know, something so simple as a puppy, as a puppy, just put him on the table or if he's bigger on the floor. And when you're caressing him, caress his paws, you know, caress his paws, touch his nails, talk to him, give a treat, a little bit, you know, every day, all the paws. So he gets used to people touching their paws yeah. because it's so sensitive to them. Taking things from the dog's mouth, that is so important that they allow you to do that. You know, the drop command, drop it, you know, that's so important because they could get really something they shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Also the stop still and stay command, that is also very, sometimes can be life-saving. Yeah. You know, if the dog is running to a street, a busy oh street, and you just scream stop or things like that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So training 
Then it's very important. It is. It makes your life much easier, not only at home, but when you leave the yeah. house with them for a walk or for, for a trail, for a hike, uh, when you're with them and they obey the commands, it's easier, mm -hmm. much easier. Do you recommend any books or websites for someone who is planning to get a dog? By the time we got our first puppy, we bought some books on the breed to understand better the breed. And as for uh, training the puppy, we bought some books from uh, Cesar Milan. I think he's the guy. And there's this, uh, I don't know if he's a vet, but he's a behavioral, he's an expert on, on dog behavior and animal behavior. His name is Alexandre Rossi. I don't know if he still has a show. He used to have a show on TV and we used to follow him. So we bought some books uh, that he wrote and we followed his profile in uh, YouTube. But when we got to the part of uh, walking on the streets, by the time he had all the vaccines and he was free to walk on the streets, it was a different deal because by then he was four months old and he was almost his adult size and his adult weight. So it was like he was taking us for a walk <laughs> instead of us taking him for a walk. So we needed uh, on-site help to deal with that, how to get him to follow our commands and how to keep him on our pace, not the other way around, not to get frightened by noises, by cars, noises on the streets, and make the walks as pleasurable as possible. How about you, Nadja? Do you have any books that you'd recommend or websites? Yes, I do. I like very much a channel called It's Me or the Dog. That is by trainer Victoria Stillwell. And also checking out the American Kennel Club website. That's always a real good reference. They have tons of um, information in there for all dogs. Now, one book that I absolutely love, it is The Complete Herbal Handbook for the Dog and Cat by Juliette Levy. This was the book that actually introduced me to natural diet. Before uh -huh. that, my dogs used to eat processed food, you know, dog food. But after reading this book, it was, you know, really a, a change in my approach to dog nutrition. But another great book is the American Kennel Club Star, that is S-T-A-R, Puppy, American Kennel Club Star Puppy by Mary Birch. And it is a publication by the American Kennel Club, and that is focused for training and behavior and gives tons of tips with the puppy. Do not bring a puppy home before you are well informed. Yeah, you see, it all goes down to education. As always, yeah. yeah. So many things could be avoided. Yeah. So many dogs could be avoided going to shelter if people only educated themselves, you know, better. And since you mentioned the, the thing about uh, diet and processed food, what would you say mm -hmm. are the, pro the pros and cons of that? I like natural diet, as I said. And to me, it made a lot of sense of what this author wrote on the book. She was a veterinarian student. 
But, you know, there are the pros and cons on everything. Like, for example, what people who advocate for the processed food is that it is easy. It's uh, convenient. And that is true. You just open a pack and you throw it on the bowl and the dog eats. So it is very convenient, especially if you have a very busy life. And also you have to see there are really low end quality dog food and there is better quality, the premium dog food, which they say it's a good thing. And I do not see any vet really banning it per se. A lot of people do not give the premium quality dog food because it is so expensive. And then they go on, they fall, you know, to the cheaper type. Mm -hmm. And that gives some really health consequences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's bad breath, for example. A lot of dogs that eat processed food has horrible breath, you know, horrible. Of course, you should brush their teeth. But me and Mari, we were saying how difficult that is to educate them to brush. Yeah, know. that's that's kind of, that's curious. One of the curiosities I have about you actually have to brush, you have to yes. brush their teeth. Yes, you should. You, you should. But it's, it's yeah. kind of difficult, you know, I kind of do it with Nai, not really well, yeah. because it is a difficult thing, the brushing the teeth, you know, but type of food you give helps a mm. lot, I think, you know. Now, saying that I prefer natural food, because for me, it makes sense. It is logical to me that a carnivore animal eats meat. I do not see a lion, <laughs> you know, going after a berry when he's hunting. Right now, one interesting thing that she says on that book is that they do the carnivore do eat vegetables through because when they go for the kill, they start eating by the stomach. They open the belly right of the animal and they start eating the mm -hmm. stomach. If that was a sheep or a zebra, whatever, they ate grass and then their stomach has um, like processed that grass. And the lion is eating that grass too, but it is eating like a shopped type of grass. So it's really interesting how she elaborated that book, you see, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And that is when I decided to buy a processor to shop the vegetables, mm -hmm. because another thing, guys, they cannot eat, dogs cannot eat every type of vegetables and every types of fruits. There are fruits and vegetables that they can eat. There are fruits and vegetables that they cannot eat. Either you can check this book out or you can check the list on the American Kennel Club website. Mm -hmm. There are veterinarians out there that they are more towards holistic approach and more towards natural diet. And that's the type of vet that I would prefer for my dog. Mm -hmm. But in any case, um, if you're going to choose for one or the other, you really have to talk to the veterinarian because that is the most, the most responsible thing to mm -hmm. do. But Maddie, you do also have an experience with that? I do. Thor, we always got him super premium dog foods because they had all the nutritional and the, the vitamins, everything that he needed to grow healthy so in the beginning, in his first year, uh, we would buy him a different flavor or a different brand of dog food. Uh, within three weeks, he would just refuse to. He would just smell it and like, I don't like it. Why are you giving it to me? I'm not going to eat it. And then we learned about this vet in Sao Paulo. She's a nutritionist. 
She is very famous. She has this website called Kashohu Behdi, the green dog. And she is amazing. She's done a lot of research with a lot of worldwide, well-conceded veterinarians who are experts in that. She would ask for a couple of tests for them to do at the lab just to check something. And uh, she would look at the dog and prescribed the dog uh, a diet. It worked wonderfully in the beginning. The pros were huge. He was, he was happier because he loved that food that looked very much and smelled very much like car food. He was different. He had more energy. He was more lively. His fur was just gorgeous, shiny. The teeth looked like mm -hmm. they were cleaner somehow because uh, there were uh, recreational bones. Mm -hmm. She taught us to give uh, him a natural yes. bone. Now he has it too. Uh, to freeze it and then uh, do the temperature shock in boiling, boiling water and give him the bone. It was great. But then he became intolerant to poultry, mm -hmm. chicken, turkey, even natural, not smoked turkey. He became intolerant and he started to get ill mm -hmm. sometimes. And resort, we had to resort to antibiotics to get him out of that infection, that, in, that gastric infection. Our expenses with food, they practically doubled because then we had to resort to exotic food yeah. like lamb, uh, certain cuts of the ox that are not commonly bought. So prices are very high. And um, it took a load of time. I would spend the whole day yeah. cooking for him because dogs, they do not process. They don't digest pieces of vegetable or fruits. You have to process them for them to absorb. So it's a load of work and it's very much time consuming and it became extremely expensive. But I don't know if for our luck, we had to stop feeding him natural food because he was getting, he was getting infection after infection and we were resorting to more and more antibiotics. It was a nightmare. He was constantly ill. So that was the time when our second dog came along. That was Cora. And he fell in love with her dog food and the dog food that the vet recommended for her it was this italian brand transgenic soybean free it reduces drastically the probability of a dog developing cancer we've been using this italian brand for many years now they love the food i was told by the vet she she's treated golden retriever she's bred them she has a kennel bred them for more than 20 years so she's really an expert in them. and she says it's a good thing to do it's a safe thing a safe kind of dog food to work with so i think it goes back to talk to the vet and it's very important to have you know the input of the vet yeah, yeah. which brings me to a question about the vet how do you choose a good one <laughs> good question <laughs> i mean do i just yeah. go to my neighborhood vet i mean he looks you know like he, i see a lot of dogs going in and out and animals going in and out well, because but... i think as every professional there must be good 
and bad vets, yeah. as we take for exactly. good and bad English teachers, right? So Exactly. So how do we know? <laughs> I, I go for referral. I do some research online. I talk to people who own dogs and ask yeah. them to recommend somebody to me, a good doctor. What is your opinion on the pet industry boom? I do like that we have things there for our animal care and entertainment, which it is really amazing. I mean, nowadays here, something that is very popular is dog brain academy things. For example, you put a cookie inside a thing and the dog has to move the, with a muzzle, a little piece, whatever, until it gets to the cookie, figure out stuff, you know, and, and making its mind be worked, you know, and not being bored. We used to buy loads and loads of toys for Thor. And he would play like for 10, 15 minutes and then he looked really bored. On the other hand, if I got a, a two liter pet bottle and put something noisy inside like pebbles or sometimes those, those little forks that we use for appetizers, things that would make a lot of noise, he would play for hours That inside cardboard thing of paper towel rolls mm -hmm. and uh, toilet papers, he loved playing yeah. with those. That's like I said, that was like, wow, this is awesome. Like I'm in, in you know, playtime heaven. We have those toys that Nana is talking about here in Brazil, but they're all brought from other countries. Yeah. So they end up so getting very expensive yeah. here. But you can make a lot of them if, you know, if you get a little bit of creativity and help and, and there are people sharing what they do as a pet toy. The Kong toys, they're like the number one world preference. Yeah. You can put things inside. You can put uh, uh, peanut butter, peanut butter. You can put dog food. You can put treats of any kind, cookies, anything your dog likes. Mm -hmm. And they will take forever to get everything from inside the toy. Oh, I see. And they they will never be able to, to get it to stay still so they can lick inside. Mm -hmm. So they run around the house trying to find a spot so they can put it steady and then they can get the treat from inside <laughs> the toy. You have to train your dog to be alone too. And what you do is like baby steps. You know, you start, start with... Um, giving them a treat and saying the keywords and you get out of the door, then you immediately come back in. You start like that, you know, then you do the same thing. You get out of the door and you stay one minute, come back in. And then you get out of the door two minutes and then come back in. It's a whole process for them to learn that you will always come mm -hmm. back because yeah. their fear is that you're not coming back and they're being mm -hmm. abandoned. There are so many nice um, Instagrams and YouTubes and, you know, social accounts to follow. One of them is Maya Pola Bear. It is a about a Samoyede, and she is the cutest thing ever. And her owner, she does such creative things with Maya. The other one is uh, Maltese Obsession. It is about Maltese, of course, but um, the owner gives a lot of information on dog care, especially dogs with long fur. And the last one, and this one is in Portuguese only because it is from a Brazilian um, kennel, a Shih Tzu kennel. It is Half Imperador. He also gives a lot of information, not only on Shih Tzu, but in dogs in general, little puppies and so on. I follow Frederico and he's so funny. 
There's another golden retriever I follow in, in YouTube. It's Tucker. He has a funny last name, which I cannot recollect right now. And his owner is so creative. She does the most hilarious things with him. Lou, any, anyone that you follow? The one that I almost know as a friend is, um, the account is Henry Loves Kiki. And it's two doxies who have a love story on Instagram that I would die for. Oh, that must be cute. If you check their pictures, they are the perfect couple. They are the aspiration that anyone would like to find in the in, in a significant other. Yeah. They are perfect together. Can you repeat the name? It's Henry Loves Kiki. I don't know. You may or may not be surprised if I happen to get a doxy and either name him Henry or her Kiki, because <laughs> that's how much that's how much I, I enjoy following that account. And the other one is the doxy world, which is basically doxies everywhere. I love looking at their little behinds. <laughs> um, I love looking at their little chicken legs when they put what chicken leg over your leg or, you know, they have... They're just cute. I don't know. I can't. I don't know what else to say. I'm just. I am they such are. a huge pushover <laughs> with doxies. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right, ladies. So let's call it a day. Thank you so much for having me again. I had a wonderful time. Bye bye. Thank you guys. Bye.